It's time for Get the Lack Scoop, a podcast bringing you all the people and stuff you should know in the game of lacrosse. We take lack seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join hosts Big Dog and Jay Bird and the biggest names in the game. Brought to you by Jay McMahon Lacrosse. That's JML, skills, mindset, and lax IQ training. Ron Douglas, the big dog, was a collegiate football and lacrosse player at Brown. He was also an assistant lacrosse coach and the executive director of the Sports Foundation. And Jay McMahon, the Jaybird, a three-time All-American midfielder at Brown. He was a captain of the U.S. Junior National Team and is the founder of JML. And joining us in the studio, Steve Grisalfi, whose collegiate lacrosse career statistics equals one goal against Dartmouth. This podcast is brought to you by Jay McMahon Lacrosse. Now that's a mouthful. So let's go with JML Lacrosse. Skills. Uh, Ron, JML has lacrosse in there. So just JML. Friends, get used to Jay interrupting me all the time. It's <laughs> maddening. Fine, Jay. It's JML Skills, Mindset, and Lax IQ Training, helping the next generation of cross players get to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. This is our final installment of a three part interview series with. National Interscholastic Lacrosse Coaches Association Hall of Famer Doug Taring, who was also a two-time national champion as a player at the University of Virginia. You will find our interview in progress. Doug, Jay and I are very close to the Virginia program because of our great coach Dom, who coached us at Brown and obviously became the coach of Virginia, and then our teammate Lars <laughs> Tiffany, who's now the coach, and as we said, you can't make that up, right? You just can't make it up. And I'm just interested, you watched this program for so long as a player and now as a broadcaster. How would you describe what you felt like Dom brought to the program and what he did and now watching Lars and his evolution as a coach there? Could you talk a little bit about those two and what they've meant to Virginia Lacrosse? Well, I mean, if you look and see the history of Virginia Lacrosse, you can't overlook the impact of an Ace Adams when he came yeah. in. There, there are people that you call coaches. There are people you call gentlemen. Ace Adams was a gentleman. You know, yeah. Bob Scott at Hopkins was a gentleman. You know, the person who maybe has influenced me more than anyone who ever played the game was Doyle Smith, um, mm -hmm. you know, who basically yeah. wrote the book on stats, but also, you know, was the media giant of lacrosse. But Don brought a toughness. I remember he tells a story that he and Tommy Duquette, we were playing Brown at the Heroes Tournament. And he, for, and he said he had just gotten a stick. You know, Cliff Stevenson said, you know, and he was a football player, obviously a very good one, yep. I understand. So he comes out, we're playing Brown in Virginia in Maryland. So he's guarding Tommy Duquette. And, you know, he guards Tommy, and Tommy got a run right-handed. He pretty much put him in the V, of course, as strong as Dom was, and Tommy was kind of wiry. So he goes, well, this isn't bad. Tommy switched to his left and stuck one. And then Dom said, they didn't tell me he could play with both hands. But, you know, that was what Dom brought. He brought that toughness to Do you remember those old Virginia teams? They were athletic. They were physical. They played extremely fast. I mean, every year, Virginia led the country in ground balls in terms of statistics. And what's interesting about the transition, of course, there's so much history between Lars and Dom as well, is that I think Dom was maybe less of a tactician and more of a just line up and let's play football kind of a guy. Not oh, yeah. really his teams weren't well coached and well organized. He had a great offensive coordinator, too. I'm really Chris Colbeck and then, and then, of course, Mark Van Arsdale. But Dom was really more about being athletic and playing hard and playing full speed. The thing about Lars is his teams are so well organized. 
defense, and they play tactically so smart. I mean, I spent a lot of time talking to Lars, and what's fascinating to listen to Lars talk about the game of lacrosse. I mean, he every facet of the game, like you said, from the Stony Brook days right up until this past year at Brown, everywhere he's been, he's built, taken a program and made it better. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, his practices, it's amazing. It's like, oh, uh, so almost like Nick Saban. <laughs> and everybody, he's not saying much. Everybody is in their spot. The clock's right. running. Everything's timed. And it's amazing how smooth those practices are. I mean. Well, they get the most done in the least amount of time. And that's a great yeah. practice. Right. Uh, true. I mean, if you're out there for two and a half or three hours, you're probably not getting as much done as you would be if you had a great organization running a tight practice in an hour and 45 minutes. Right. Uh, so, but anyway. But I'll throw a little brown at you, Ron, and, and I mentioned this to Jay. I also have a very strong connection to Brown. That's I had a stepbrother, Scott Libby, who unfortunately passed away from cancer. But he was there from 73 to 75 and played on Brown teams with Jeff Wagner and Meister and Rubior and Dave White and Dom. Um, oh, yeah. Those guys are so, unbelievable. You know, when I was at Virginia and Scott was at Brown, and they would come down and sit in our kitchen. So I would sit in the kitchen with Bobby Rubio. Of course, I got to know Bob real well because of Ben being in Virginia. But uh, that was a very special relationship that I had with Brown, having a stepbrother play and getting to know so many of those great Brown players from the 70s. It was really good. I mean, Jeff Wagner is one of my very favorite people. Jeff is a He's something else. He is a great cheerleader for Brown. Doug, it's so interesting. I didn't know that connection. And I worked at Brown for 13 years and – ran the sports foundation there for a number of years and coached with Pete Lasagna for a few sure. years at Brown. And so I knew Scott. Oh. Um, yeah. I had the honor of knowing him because he was passionate about Brown and supportive of the program and would come back with those guys. So yeah, what a, what a great guy and yeah, and, and an incredible group that, you know, that era um, it's a special group from Brown lacrosse. Well, and Scott ended up going to being a great hunting guide in Chesapeake Bay. Yeah. Um, one of the, actually helped start a, start a high school program in Chestertown. It's a Chestertown high school. Program. Well, I mean, it's yeah. it's crazy. I mean, my parents ended up living in Chestertown, and I worked for a candidate. Uh, anyway, I knew Scott in a number of different ways, so it's so funny, so interesting. Small well, world. if you didn't go to Vonnie's, you didn't go to Chestertown, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> And we'll leave that for another day as well. Yeah, please. That'll be a whole different podcast. That'll be just between you and me. But now, like I said, it was tragic to lose Scott at such an early age. But uh, he talked a lot. We talked a lot of lacrosse. And the people that I played with, Virginia, he got to know real well. Of course, he was a phenomenal athlete at McDonough and played football and lacrosse there. So, yeah. So, Brown holds a special place for me as well. Nice. Jay, you want to take this next one, Jay, before we move on to, uh, to Steve? Sure. So, Coach, one of the things we emphasize a lot on this podcast is youth lacrosse development. And, you know, naturally you've been close to the game for so many years and now continuing to coach through the travel teams and refereeing games and all this. Now, what would you say are some things that you notice that young players need to focus on to become better high school players and then eventually look to get recruited? What are some things that your eye sees? Yeah, first of all, I think, you know, the one thing that players coming up and still, you know, at whatever level, whether it's high school or junior high or starting, is they have access to information, drills and so forth. Of course, we never had, you know, obviously, YouTube and so forth. I mean, I think you have to be a student of the game. I mean, I think, right. you know, you can't, I mean, it's, it's fine to go out and stand in front of the goal and 
you know, pin corners and so forth with your strong hand. But, you know, the players at college coaches or even the top high school players, I'm looking, they're not only looking for the best lacrosse players, they're looking also for the smartest lacrosse players. So it's a combination of, you know, skills and IQ. Um, right. You know, I always used to tell my players before they had access to some of these, you know, uh, obviously things, go the game, sit in the stands, pick the player who plays your position and watch him. Yeah. Right. And watch him not on the ball, not in, you know, watch him without the ball. I mean, I'll, you know, even even running to the box, the substitute. I mean, so many of those things that college coaches are looking for now, they're looking for the little things because there's so many great players in high school coming out. You know, as, as, as somebody said, you know, it's a smorgasbord of players. You can't get them all. I mean, as a coach, you maybe only can recruit nine or ten players in your first year of class. But this is what separates the players. I mean, obviously, skills and speed and strength are part of it. Coach Tearing makes a great point there. And that's why at J. McMahon Lacrosse, we put a major emphasis on teaching lacrosse IQ, also known as knowledge of the game. And as Coach said, skills, speed, strength certainly play a role. But there's so many players these days that have all these attributes, and you can too. But adding next-level knowledge of the game, as Coach Tearing said, can separate you from the competition. With the J. McMahon Lacrosse app, you don't have to spend hours out on the fields looking for players to emulate, or hours and hours on the computer searching YouTube for the same. We've boiled down all of our experience from playing and coaching the game at the highest level to straightforward training courses that can have you leveling up on the competition in no time. So go ahead and download the free J. McMahon Lacrosse app at Google Play for Android or for Apple at the App Store. You'd simply type in J-A-Y-M-C-M-A-H-O-N Lacrosse and work your way through our free mini course on shooting. It includes step-down shots, shooting on the run, and crease shots. And when you're ready, Go ahead and opt in for one of our paid trainings. You'll be glad you did. We will return to our interview in progress. I just tell my guys, you know, the players that you play against at these top-level camps or these top-level tournaments, when you go to the school they go to, you got to beat them out. You know, you, you're competing against the players who are, you know, fighting for a job to get on the field at wherever school you're going to attend. Right. Yeah, that competitive edge is definitely huge. And then um, right. one other question I had, too, was, again, with your wealth of experience and still being so involved in the game, what would you say would be a good direction for it to go in over the next 10, 20 years? And would you have imagined way back when, in 1973, when you started coaching JV, would you have imagined it would have grown to this level? There's no way. I mean, lacrosse was so <laughs> parochial back then. It was, again, it was centered in a couple of major areas and i never even thought virginia would ever become as strong a lacrosse area as it became and not right. only in terms of the teams but also the number of college players including a player who took brown to a final four jay stalford uh, oh yeah right right played at staff. Absolutely. and jay and i are still very close lives in charlottesville and of course i take no credit for jay because he had i think the best goalie coach in the country and rodney Rollman, who was our goalie in virginia back in those championship years wow. but jay wow. was one wow. of those guys on a hot summer day Maybe when everybody else might have been at the pool, Jay was out taking shots. Jay would, you know. Right. We, Jay wore us out as coaches warming him up every day. We'd, we'd Jay, go <laughs> home. Get out of here. You know. Right. And his brother, too, Sean. Yeah, you know, and, you know, those guys who played with that, with Lars, you know, J.P. Williamson and, and Sean Stauffer and those, and those guys uh, who are, you know, all Charlottesville uh, based as well. But 
Jay was one of the people that you hold up and say, because Jay had to fight to get credibility. He came from Virginia, came Uh from San Antonio Field. We didn't play the top teams in the country. We didn't play the Boys Latins and the McDonald's and the Garden Cities and the Manhattan's. And so Jay had to earn his respect. And what a great career he had at Brown. Anytime you can get voted first team all Ivy ahead of Steve Pazzolupo, that's pretty impressive. Right. Like, Absolutely. Uh, you know, taking that team to a Final Four. Nice. And then where would you say, think any direction you think the game needs to go in the future? Anything it's not doing that you think it should be doing or stop doing what it is doing? The only thing I worry about is there's, the, the competition is so great now. Really, at the college level, there's two things I would say. One, don't always think that the best school is a Division One lacrosse school. Go to, there's, mm-hmm. there's lacrosse everywhere. Um, I mean, I, I did a lot of officiating in the O'Day, which was W now in Hampton, Sydney, Roanoke, and Lynchburg. Those are really good programs. And, yeah. you know, yeah. academics first, lacrosse shouldn't, you know, if you pick a school for lacrosse, you're making the wrong choice. Because, um, right. you know, those four years of academics are going to be, we're going to get you somewhere. There's not a lot of guys going from, you know, to the PLL. So I always try to counsel my, you know, my players working with the college counseling office, making sure that we were sending them to the right school before we figured out what the cross school would send them to. Right. If they were a great player and they got recruited by five or six top schools, then obviously they had choices. But the only worry that so much that the clubs had become such a big part of lacrosse and the kids are now playing almost 12 months of the year. You know, when I talk to a guy like Mike Prester, he goes, I want to know what else they play. I want a football player. I want a basketball player. I want an athlete. And right. I just worry sometimes that, you know, too much lacrosse is not necessarily a good thing. If you're a high yeah. school athlete, and that's the most fun that you'll have playing sports, play them all. You know, that, right. that would be that's a good point. That would be my one concern is that, you know, there's so much lacrosse being played, fall tournaments, box in the winter. There is a point where you get to the overload stage. All right, Ron, are we ready to bring on Steve? Or I think reporting? we are for our closing feature. All right, hey, Coach. Um, hey, Dave, how are you? Good, good. We we, uh, we developed a new segment here for you, and uh, we're going to try it out. Uh, okay. It's called Which Coach Said That? In this game, I'm going to read you a quote from one of three coaches, and I want to see if you can guess with how close you were to the Virginia program. Guess which coach it was between Dom Starja, Lars Tiffany, and just to keep you on your toes, we threw in a couple quotes from Coach Andy Towers. <laughs> so the first quote here is, there is nothing you can be doing in lacrosse on your own in the fall that would be better for you than going to football or soccer practice every day. You can go bang a ball against the wall all you want, but how do you become a better team player? By playing team sports. So was that Dom, Lars, or Andy? Uh, I'll go with Lars. Uh, okay, you know, that's something that Lars probably would say, but in this case, it was actually Dom. Okay. Uh, and, you know, so bang a ball against on... the wall. That was the dead giveaway on that one. Well, like, like <laughs> Dom likes to say that. Well, right. I, mean, <laughs> I think with Andy, he'd say bang your head against the wall. That's a whole <laughs> right. Um, that's good. Yeah, yes, so, you know, yes, he would. I always feel like there's always something that you bring from another sport that makes you a better lacrosse player. Whether right. it's toughness from football, whether it's the whole idea of how you play defense and talk and communicate from basketball, the transitional part of soccer, the hand-eye coordination of baseball. I turned, I can say this, one of the best goals I've ever had started out as a middle school catcher. Huh. For two reasons. One, because he was not afraid of the ball coming at his head. <laughs> right. Two, and because he could also 
focus on the ball. He could focus when the bat was being swung at his eyes. So, you know, anything that you can take from another sport is valuable. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in the multi-sport athlete. And I, worked at a small, and I worked at a small school where we needed those kids to be multi-sport. Right. All right. Our next quote is, the game of lacrosse is a preparation for life. We've learned that from the Native Americans. Well, I think that was an easier one for Laura. <laughs> yeah. We're starting easy. They get, they Consid get considering what he just went through about a week ago, I would say that's pretty close. <laughs> that one was a bit of a lab. Maybe we should have started with that one. Okay, uh, this one might be a little trickier. Okay. And the quote begins, we're going to make mistakes all the time. We're going to try to learn from those mistakes, and we're going to admit those mistakes. Everything that we do, we're going to have a purpose to it. We're going to be able to verbally defend why we're making these decisions. Some of those things will be black and white, some of them super subjective. You might not agree with the reasoning or the ultimate decision. Hopefully, you can respect the fact that we're coming right to you. FDR or George Patton? <laughs> so I got Don <laughs> Lars or Andy. Well, I'm down to two. I'm going to go with Don on this one. It sounds like something Don would say, but that one was actually Andy Towers. That's a tough one for, to wow. be from Andy I Towers. I would never expect my, uh, that. My, my, my apologies to Andy. <laughs> was he yeah. talking to chaos or? Uh, right, Dartmouth? Andy's changed. Dartmouth. <laughs> right, right. That was Dartmouth years, yeah. Right. Okay, uh, the next one is American field players would really help themselves if they were exposed to a steady stream of box experience. Box lacrosse is an extremely valuable background for a young player. We need to incorporate more of the indoor skills into the field game. It is almost a requirement to have a top player with indoor experience on your roster right now. I got to go with Lars on that one. That one's actually Dom. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I, I, we're killing I guess, here. I guess, we're well, I guess if you look at AJ Shannon, who played was a Canadian, but then I look at a, you know, between you know, Pecanvi and Cormier, you kind of think maybe Lawrence. But right. you know, I don't know right. the date on any of these quotes. He could have been talking about Oliver Marty right there. <laughs> right. Okay, our next one might be a tricky one as well. <laughs> Ultimately, as coaches, your players and the culture of your program are going to take on the characteristics that you consistently show them that are important. Being proactive, tactful, clear in your communications, and setting adequate expectations that are accomplishable are all things that help the partnership work. It is a partnership. As coaches, you create the rules for your team and your program. You need to exemplify the characteristics as coaches for your locker room. Wow, that's a toughie. I haven't spent a lot of time talking to both Don and Lars. That, hmm, that sounds like something both of them would say. Uh, you know, it's kind of a cornerstone of philosophy you know i'm on a roll so i might as well pick lars okay these are tough that one was actually andy towers get out of here really <laughs> what that's amazing i know towers. it is surprising it, it, oh, maybe are maybe you not. sure am i the first well, guest to go over or what are we talking about <laughs> well this <laughs> is a new segment we usually do jokes this is more serious all right uh towers, i have one man. more oh, well two more actually we have a bonus quote but uh, i just thought to say the same name every time and that way. <laughs> yeah. this one is this one is regarding watching recruiting video first of all what's grabbing my eye is the player that's doing something quicker and faster whether it's decision making the release of the shot foot speed sure that's part of it too and the lateral change of direction but sometimes it's just the decision making someone is playing at a faster level than the people around him i'm gonna go with dom that one was actually Lars. 
but, but he was no. probably mimicking a quote from Dom from years you know, ago. <laughs> Lars learned everything he knows from Dom. So, uh, so you get partial credit when you I mean, choose this, Lars. This is like, you know, brown on top of brown on top of brown. I mean, you know, <laughs> right. Different shades of brown. Exactly. Okay, I have one. Uh, this Speak one. I think I've seen this one. Hopefully this one is easy. This is clear. Well, I think this one is kind of clear. We're speaking of brown. Yeah, we're going to wrap this one up. This is the final quote. <clears throat> and I can't yell this as loud as he, as he actually said it, but I'll do my best. Begin quote. I'll go beyond that. Oh, and I have to note, we don't have the technology to bleep out uh, the curse words, so I'm just going to say bleep. Well, we do, but we'd have to pay extra per month, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> I'll go beyond that. Bleep in confrontation. That's what we bleep and do, right? I live on a small street. Dogs walk past the street all the time. We've got a little patch of grass, and guess what happens? Those little bleepers take a bleep in our bleeping yard, right? It happens all the time. I wake up and my wife goes, it happened again. So finally, we put the bleeping cameras up and we put a sign that says, don't bleep on our bleeping yard. <laughs> sure enough, we get the bleeping bleeper who's coming out and bleeping on our yard. You know what stopped that bleeping dog from bleeping on our yard? Confronting that bleeping bleeper and walking up to him and saying, I'm going to break your bleeping neck if your dog bleeps on our yard again. <laughs> I got to go with Andy on that one. <laughs> a world famous quote. Now, that's Doug, the you one that sounded like Andy to me. I've, I've heard Dom give a fruit leaps, but I, I think Andy would have a few more. Doug, I don't know if you, if you have not seen, not that is an actual halftime speech from Andy oh, I, Towers I, I, with the one, chaos. That one I, I did, I did hear. I did see that. I did see that one. And I'm just going, it went viral. you know, I mean, I think Andy may have stepped into one of our huddles in 1988 and given that same speech. I don't know, James. <laughs> <laughs> That's a stock uh, speech. Beautiful. All right, Coach. Well, thanks for playing. Well, yeah, oh, thanks man, for, that was thanks a for, tough for, round. Thanks for, I know, that was losing. a tough round. Jeez. Uh, Towers with his tactician's hat on, man. That, yeah, he I, went, I, he I wasn't from, guessing Towers on, on those. Steve, Steve really did his the research finding some – some thoughtful, insightful quotes from Andy Towers. Well, Andy, from Andy, you know we love you, but that's not your that's not he your brand, Andrew. Let's be clear, Andrew. To Andy's philosopher, you know. Yeah, I know. I know. Nice right. job, Steve. Nice. You embarrass all your guests that way, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, well, yes. Actually, yes. The chicken Coach, that's what they have me here for. <laughs> <laughs> we had the CEO of USA Lacrosse on, Mark Riccio. And Steve brought up a thing of like, oh, it's the best dish from upstate New York. And the guy's like, I've never heard of that before in my life. <laughs> I'm actually the chicken riggy. I'm questioning whether he's from upstate New York or not. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's as a Grisalfi. I like it. <laughs> Steve's approach. Well, well thanks so that. much, Doug, for coming on. This has been awesome, Coach. And wow. such great background, great history, and then great vision well, I, going yeah, I, forward. I, I, I thank you guys for including me in such an impressive list of people that you've already had on the podcast. It's you know, I think more of these are really good for the game. You know, it's fun to be a, a part of it. And like I said, it's fun to talk to guys that I have known. And uh, Jay and I still share some great stories. And like I said before, Brown will still be a bit special place because of my family connection. So. It's been a real fun experience, and uh, thank you guys enough for including me. Yeah, Coach, really uh, appreciate it. Thanks again. It's great to get to know you. Until we meet again, here's to hoping you find the twine. We're signing off here at the Get the Lax Coop. Thanks again so much. We will see you the next time. <laughs>